Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Since 1882, Children's Home of Northern Kentucky has been a lifeline for children and families in crisis. Now known as CHNK Behavioral Health, its team of doctors, nurses, and therapists impacts nearly 4,000 kids and families every year. An array of mental health services, including counseling, addiction treatment, and psychiatric residential care. CHNK also continues to care for abused and neglected youth who are in the state's custody. Right now, CHNK Behavioral Health is offering a free 10-minute conversation with a clinical therapist to help families dealing with the increased pressures caused by the ongoing pandemic. Visit www.chnk.org for more details or for the free conversation with a therapist. Call 1-844-YES-CHNK. Johnny B. Dusty Baker was born in Riverside, California in 1949, moved to Sacramento when he was 14, was drafted by the Atlanta Braves in 1967. In 68, he started what would be a brilliant 20-year career as a player, primarily with the Braves and the Los Angeles Dodgers. He helped L.A. to pennants in 77-78 and to a World Series title in 1981. In 1993, he would embark on his big league managerial career. He is the only manager in the history of baseball. Think about that for a minute. To take five different franchises to the postseason. The Giants, the Cubs, the Reds, the Nationals, and the Astros. And, of course, this year culminating with his Astros winning the World Series. He's a husband to Melissa and the father of two children. He's also a veteran, served in the United States Marines from 1969 to 75. All right, Johnny B. Dusty Baker, great to have you with us. What part did I just miss that you're most proud of? Did I miss anything? No, not really. Just uh, probably uh, the fact that I played all sports, any sport that I could play, I played them. And I wanted to be the best at them. And I wasn't always the best at them, but I was one of the best at most of them. And uh, uh, I would go out and work and work and practice. And, and uh, you know, I'd see Elgin Baylor do a move or somebody and I'd go, I, I practiced like tirelessly until I had that move. And uh, that was probably um, sort of culminates how my life has been, you know, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy that's, that's willing to work and, and uh, practice with, uh, you know, a certain amount of skill involved, but but mostly it was about determination and practice, I think. Dusty, I read an article, and, and one of the, the, the pictures, and we all go places where there's pictures hanging up in the wall, and you always had in, in your offices uh, that I was in when you were with the Giants, the Cubs, the Reds, Washington, uh, not been to the office in Houston, but I'm sure it's still there. It's one of the most amazing photographs I've ever seen. It's of your dad. And I read an article, uh, and tell me if this is accurate. Uh, I read an article that your dad was coaching you in Little League Baseball. You had terrible temper tantrums, uh, and <laughs> that he would throw you off the team. Is that right or wrong? Well, he didn't actually throw me off the team, but he did cut me off the team. I guess that's the same, <laughs> <laughs> that's the same thing. Yeah, he cut me when I was eight because uh, I, I struck out and I threw my bat 
up against the backstop and he cut me and says, I, I need to, I had to play in the minors, you know, for his friend. And then um, he cut me when I was nine because I made an error and I stomped on my glove. And then he cut me when I was 10 because my best friend said he's going to hit me in the head with, with the ball. And the only time I've been hit in the head was that time. And he did hit me, so I quit. So my dad said no son of his was going to quit. And uh, he cut me when I was 10. And so I, I finally made his team when I was 11 and uh, 12. And also when I was 12, we were at the All-Star uh, game. We are playing against these big kids from El Central and in um, and, and way Southern California. And he put me in right field, put my best friend at second base. And I was, that's why I was a second baseman. And, uh, yeah, I took exception to that, and I was pouting. And uh, the ball was hit to me, and it, and uh, bases loaded, and the ball hit my glove, went over the fence for a, home, a, a grand slam. We lost the game. And uh, from that day on, I said, well, uh, I'd never pout again, and uh, I was going to, you know, work on being one of the best outfielders that I could be. Hey, walk me through, um, and without without getting into necessarily a lot of the, 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 the details about it, but I know that when you were drafted by the Atlanta Braves uh, and your mom and dad were really worried about the idea of all the racism in the, in the southern part of the United States, they were really worried about their son leaving California and going to the American South. That was mm -hmm. a very big deal for them, was it not? How big a deal well, was it for you? Well, I didn't really know what I was getting into. Actually, you know, my, my mom wasn't as opposed to it as my dad. And it wasn't about going to the South. It was the fact that I was uh, forfeiting my, my scholarships. I had like 40-something in football and 30-something in basketball, none in baseball, a couple in track. And uh, my dad, uh, my mom was about education, but my dad, uh, you know, was the enforcer of education. And my mom and dad had just gotten divorced, and I was at a crossroads. I didn't know what to do. I was the oldest of five. My dad had wanted me to go to the University of Santa Clara where I was going to go play basketball, but it was a, a, a you know, predominantly uh, rich white school. And I had just come from that environment uh, in Carmichael where my brother and I were the only black uh, kids in the high school. And so I didn't really want to go to, you know, a school like that. I wanted to go to Arizona State where they, at that time you only had to carry a 2.0 to stay eligible and party <laughs> and have a good time. <laughs> and my dad read, uh, well, I don't know where he read it. Now, you know, my dad never cursed and I never saw playboy in the house but my best friend uh dad took playboy and it said that uh san jose state and arizona state were the one two party schools in the country and those are two schools that wanted me and my dad reminded me that those are the one two party schools in the country i wasn't going there and i don't know i didn't have the guts enough to ask him <laughs> where he found his information you know what i mean yeah <laughs> and so um uh, uh you know the braves drafted me and uh, my dad told him not to and uh, so they flew my mom and I to L.A. Uh, uh, to work out with the Braves. That's where I met Hank Aaron. And Hank told my mom that he would take care of me if I, as if I was his son, but only sign if I had enough confidence in myself to to whatever, uh, you know, to be in the big leagues by the time I graduated in class uh, at Santa Clara, you know, would have graduated. And I, I mean, certainly, you know, uh, confidence was not, I wasn't lacking in confidence. So I signed with the Braves in 
Dodger Stadium, worked out with them, went to, and then I went to Little Rock, Arkansas. Then my 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 mom was more concerned, uh, you know, about me going to the South. But after I came back, luck, fortunately for me, you know, the first ball I, that was hit to me, we were playing Little Rock, Arkansas. I was with the Austin Braves, and uh, I dropped it, and uh, they they had a a bunch of people in right field. They were calling me a bunch of names. Some of them I had never heard, and some of them pretty good. And uh, I started crying, wanted to come home. And uh, fortunately for me, I had Ralph Gar as my roommate. He was in the same draft. And Cito Gaston, who was older than me, was in center field. And so I always had guys, you know, that, you know, took care of me. And then I had to come home uh, to, to and attend school because at that time when you signed professional uh, uh, contract, you were professional in every sport. You know, I was the Jim Thorpe law back in those days. And so when I came home, my dad uh, uh, tried to nullify my contract. Uh, we didn't speak for three years. They invoked the Jackie Coogan child prodigy law where, where the state of California uh, took over my finances of, you know, the monies that I had signed. They let me buy a car. You know, I had a, a, a you know a college stipend, which I was attending a junior college here, so I wouldn't get drafted. And uh, you know, at, at 21 years old, they released the money to me, and my money had tripled. And at that time, you know, my mean dad wasn't so mean. <coughs> Excuse me, all of a sudden, and so that's when we got back, uh, you know, tight again and forever and ever. Henry Aaron, any way to put into words what that guy meant to you in your life as a man uh, and as a player? Well, he's my dad away from home. And, uh, you know, his wife, Barbara, was my mom away from home. And, uh, uh, you know, he took care of me. And, you know, he made me, uh, you know, go to church. He made me, you know, go to bed, made me get up and eat breakfast. Um, I didn't like some of the stuff that he did because I'm a man now. You know, I'm, I'm grown at 18, 19, <laughs> <laughs> but he promised my mom and uh, you know he, I mean he not only taught us you know how to be a man how to be a prideful uh, uh, African-American man but you know also taught us a number of things on the baseball field even though we didn't uh, we didn't uh, understand a lot of it but he used to always tell us hey man you may not understand but at least retain what I'm telling you and someday you'll see and uh over throughout my career, there were things that he told me that came back to me a year later, five years later, 10 years later. Uh, you know, he was one of the most astute, uh, you know, people and businessmen that I've ever, uh, ever met. And, uh, you know, uh, I didn't know how fortunate I was at that time, being 19, 20, 21 years old to, and, you know, he was chasing Babe Ruth around that time and, uh, you know, everybody wanted to be around Hank. And so I got to meet the, the, you know, all the civic leaders of our of our time at that time, you know, Ted Abernathy, uh, you know, Jesse Jackson, um, uh, Maynard, Maynard uh, uh, Jackson, uh, uh, Herman Russell in Atlanta, and, you know, Andrew Young, and uh, including, um, you know, Jimmy and Lily and Carter, because that was, the, you know, the state house mm -hmm. was right down from the, from the stadium. So, uh, you know, I met a bunch of you know, people that, that, that would school me. I was always the youngest. I was always called the kid. And there are a lot of people that would, you know, just school me about life. But I didn't know that, you know, how chosen I was to be in that situation in order to pass it on to others, you know, later in my life and earlier in somebody else's life. You have a brilliant playing career. Uh, you were a great 
player for a long, long time and had uh, you know great success uh, individually and collectively, the teams you played for, especially in Los Angeles. In 1993, you are named manager of the San Francisco Giants. What's the best piece of advice or who is the most influential person that helped you to understand that you're now the manager and no longer a player and what a successful manager would be? Well, good question. I, um, Al Rosen, I mean, without a doubt. I mean, Al Rosen kind of handpicked me. Um, I really didn't want to coach. Uh, and I didn't want to manage. I was a stockbroker at the time. Al Rosen had said some, uh, you know, derogatory things, uh, you know, about blacks weren't qualified to do certain things. And then Al, you know, came and got me. And uh, and at the time, I was getting divorced. So divorce is a, a, a theme and a common theme in my, you know, life of success. At the time, I didn't think so. And so, uh, again, um, I didn't want any, any part of baseball. And uh, uh, I, I asked my dad, I said, Dad, what do I do? He said, well, son, go to the mountain and, and pray on it. So I went up to Lake Arrowhead, my brother and I, and I was uh, about to check in the hotel. I hadn't even prayed yet to ask for guidance of what to do, same way I did when I started my professional career. And uh, Bob Lurie, the owner of the Giants, tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, man, you need to come join us. And I'm like, man, I asked my dad, I went right to the phone and said, dad, you think that's a sign? And he says, son, he says, that's a sign that you don't want to see, you know, because you go up there and ask for direction and the direction taps you on the shoulder even before you get started and, and you need to adhere to what you asked for. And so I, I, I decided to go with the Giants as a, as a batting, no, first base coach and then the batting coach and then Al Rosen, uh, uh, told me to go to the fall league. And he says, I want you to go to fall league. The club's going to sell. And uh, uh, Bob Quinn's going to come down and, and talk to you. The job is yours. Just don't screw it up and trying to show them how smart you are. So he told me. And he said, <laughs> <laughs> I swear. And he said that, that uh, uh, managers are made to, are born to be fired. So don't worry if down the line you get fired. And I was like, you know, first thing I thought about, not me, man. I, if I'm going to start with the Giants, I'm going to end up like Lasorda or, or, or Walter Austin. I'll be there, you know, my whole career. And uh, and I guess Peter McGowan, uh, Al had, had, had talked about me to Peter McGowan, you know, because it was his ultimate decision. He was a new owner of the club. And I got to thank Peter also for giving me the opportunity because that's what's uh, – missing a lot of times, especially with African-American managers or, or any young manager's opportunity. And so uh, I, I can't thank, uh, you know, Al Rosen enough for, for seeing something in me that I, I really didn't even see in myself. Um, you take the Giants to the World Series. You lose that heartbreaking uh, series to the Angels. Why did you leave the Giants? It's hmm, a good question. Well, I left the Giants because I, I had been there five years as a manager, uh, sorry, as a coach, 10 years as a manager. And um, Bill Walsh was one of my mentors um, when I first started this. He used to t bring me over to his house and, you know, we'd have these sessions about media and just different things and management. And just uh, he helped me a whole bunch, him and him and Al Adels. And, uh, and, he, and he told me, he says, um, uh, you know, if he had to do his career all over again, he said he would leave 
to, you know, to new surroundings every five to seven years. And because he says that the, uh, every five or seven years, there's something during that period that that's going to upset you that you don't like about management. And there's something about you that management's probably already upset about. And so, um, you know, that was a tough decision. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I just did what I thought was right. Cause sometimes, you know, you'd had enough now, now it made it difficult. Um, you know, once you get to somewhere else, because see, uh, unless you're living in the town, which I'm kind of dealing with now, Tom, a little bit, unless you're living in the town where you only have to pack for spring training, that's nothing, you know, living in a town where you live. But if you, if you live in another town, like I live in Sacramento, well, when you leave for spring training, you got to pack for spring training. Then you got to pack for the season. You got to pack for cold weather in New York. You got to pack for uh, uh, hot weather in Atlanta. You got to take almost everything that you own. And that's a double pack twice a year and unpack twice a year. And, uh, you know, I didn't think about that then, but, you know, my home base is Sacramento, but it was a lot easier when my home base was, was, uh, you know, San Francisco. But, um, you know, that's something that I, that I chose. And, uh, you know, people ask me, Hey man, were you fired or this and that? And I always tell them, Hey man, my contract expired twice. I was fired for sure in Cincinnati because I had one year left on my contract. And then one time I left and, uh, that was a very, very, uh, uh, tough decision, but you know, I wasn't that happy. And my wife told me she wasn't gonna, uh, uh, watch me be unhappy for, you know, for too much longer. Did you think in 03 the way you lost in that league championship series and you'd been managing a number of years now, uh, who would have thought we're having this conversation and you go another 20? But, you know, at that time in 03, uh, I did that series for Fox. And and when you reflect back now, how how do you remember, what do you remember about that series? Because that town – You've been to a lot of places, Dusty. I have too. I've never seen anything like that city for those games yeah. six and seven. Yeah, me neither. Uh, well, I just think about, you know, all my boys are on the other side. You know, Buddy Back played for me. He was a pitching coach. I played with Mickey Hatcher uh, and Bobby Mitchell, and, and Sosa was a manager. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, by no means that people are like, oh, why'd you give Russ the ball? I gave him the ball because – he had pitched us an outstanding game, and I thought that he had had enough, not because I thought the game was over. Now, now uh, uh, Phoenix, who came in, Rodriguez, now he was very superstitious. He would always like to throw the ball out and then get a new ball. And so, uh, you know, things just sort of became unraveled at that time. And, uh, um, uh, you know, sometimes things can snowball, and you can't stop it. You know, you get one hit, boom, 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 and all they needed was that, you know, was that, <clears throat> you know, was that three-run homer. And, uh, you know, I think back, I said, well, should I, you know what happened is I saw, I started bringing the left-hander uh, to change Scott uh, around, but I had seen him hit a home run off the off a similar pitch that Scott threw, um, uh, you know, my left-hander reliever. And, you know, I watch a lot of games. I do my scouting reports. So I said, well, I think he would be, be better. Uh, we have a better chance of getting him out, um, you know, with Felix pitching. And so, like, uh, 
Man, my heart sank when that ball barely went over the fence down that right field corner. The, the, uh, the, the stands erupted. To this day, I can't stand monkeys. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I hate monkeys jumping up and down. You know what I mean? It's almost sacrilegious kind of. But, uh, uh, you know, my heart sank. And then, and then I had to make another decision on game seven. And, uh, you know, that game six haunted me for a long time because that was my nemesis until this year was game six. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, you, you know, you hate to have any, uh, like, uh, like a nemesis at all, but, you know, but we all do. And, uh, then game seven, I had to make a decision between Levon Hernandez and, and Kurt Reader. And, uh, you know, like I went with Levon's experience, but, you know, when I look back, uh, it seems like the softer throwers, um, uh, you know, the, the opposition is so amped up that the softer throwers can, you know, can trick guys, um, more than the, you know, the guys that throw a little harder. Because I remember Bobby Jones beat us one to nothing in uh, in New York, uh, uh, you know, with the Giants. I think that was 2000. And, um, you know, he was throwing, like, soft. He was throwing yeah. real soft. So, you know, you learn uh, about certain things. I mean, you look back, and, you know, some if the players perform, now you're, now you're an expert or a hero. But if the players, you know, don't perform, uh, or, or you put a guy in a position, you hope that he comes through, and they don't always come through, you know, and, uh, and sometimes the players rescue you by, you know, by performance. And, uh, that, you know, that's the tough part about being a manager, Tom, is that uh, and it was so much easier as a player because I'm judged on what I do personally, uh, but as a manager or coach, you're judged on what other people do, uh, you know, that you put into that situation. You go into the Cubs, and now you come to Cincinnati in 2008. Uh, you build this thing up. You've got a nice group of young players. Ownership brings in some other guys. In 2010, the team wins the, world, uh, the, the division on the Jay Bruce home run. Um, mm-hmm. You just got beat by a better Philadelphia team. Uh, two years I'll later, say. in 2012, uh, it was mm-hmm. your best team here in Cincinnati. Um, as you reflect back, and again, uh, all of us, whether it's demons for some of us in, in one aspect of life, maybe it's decisions and other mm-hmm. things, maybe it's just being a part of something that you're watching and witnessing and you can't explain it. When you look back to the Giants series and you're up two games to none, you come back, we know what happens. I can still see Hunter Pence jumping around in the dugout and everything. Um, <laughs> what happened, do you think, to that team in 2012? Well, first – Let's not skip over the Cubs. You know what well, I, mean? I didn't want to skip over the Cubs, but I only got you so long here, Dusty. So, okay. All right. Okay. Then, then, then let's start with the Reds, and I do want to get back to the Cubs in a second. Yeah. Let's talk about, though, yeah, I got you. that 2012 well, team. Yeah. I mean, you know, we had them two to nothing. And, uh, uh, and then they go ahead and win the World Series. And it was really tough because I live in Sacramento, so this is, this is Giants territory. And it was tough that winter. To see giant stuff on the billboards, giants and flags hanging out the cars. That was the toughest, longest winter that I ever had. But uh, uh, you know, I talked to Scott Rowland the other day, and and one of the games, Scott was as sure-handed as anybody I ever had. Him and Matt Williams, and and the balls hit the Scott. You know, would have been the third out, I think, in the eighth inning, and uh, or the ninth inning, and then the uh, the tying run scored. Then they went ahead and beat us. And then Buster Posey, um, you know, beat us with a grand slam. Mm-hmm. And 
Uh, I had talked to some people the night before in Cincinnati, and they told me that the Giants had a big old party, and they were partying, and they were, you know, acting like they were up to to nothing. And and that taught me something there too, because they were as loose as anybody could be. But you know, uh, you know, we had a young team. Uh, boy, that really hurt. I mean, that hurt big time to be up, uh, you know, to nothing, and then end up, uh, you know, they beat us three in a row, which was on my mind this year as as well. It's been on my mind every year. You know, it was on my mind when I was in Chicago. You know, we were up three to two, uh, leaving Miami with uh, coming home with. Uh, with Pryor and Wood. And so, uh, and I remember Pedro Guerrero called me on the phone when I was in Miami. He goes, Dusty, you got to bury him right now because you let him get off the ground. Then then anything can happen. And so, you know, these are words that, you know, that I've never forgotten. And uh, actually, this is some of the things that I, uh, you know, reminded my team of this year, but I didn't have to, this is the, the team that I had this year and, and, uh, and last year was a team that I didn't really have to remind that because they had lost a couple of tough series in the past. And uh, so, you know, you hope that you learn from things in life. And, uh, you know, perseverance, I was reading this morning, you know, perseverance is the key. And uh, I'm, you know, I persevered, but it was taught to me by my dad and my mom at the same time. Um, back to the, uh, the, the Cub thing. Um, I, I was doing that series for Fox. And... Uh, you know, much is made of, of game six. You come back home. You, you just mentioned you're up three games to two. The Marlins get eight runs in the eighth inning. There's the whole Steve Bartman drama. Um, yep. I got, you know, Dusty, I, I, I got to ask you. Um, um, and if you want to talk about that game or that series, yeah, that's fine. fine. But, 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 I, but I have to say this to you, and I don't think I've ever said this to you before. To me... Um, of all the places you've been, and I might be a thousand percent wrong, to me, you never seemed happy in Chicago. Is that an unfair statement? No, it's not unfair. Not unfair at all. You know, because like uh, it just uh, it just seems like the at first the town, you know, the first year the town was was seemed like they were for me, and then after that, I, I mean, I I got a I never had, uh, well, you know, let me put it this way. You know, I was um, thinking about Hank Aaron, you know, and I got a number of uh, of uh, hate calls. I got a, a number of, of uh, racial letters. You know, I got a number of things that, um, uh, you know, that really hurt. But I dealt with it because I had been with Hank Aaron. It felt like I was living a part of Hank Aaron's life all over again with him because I was with him and he was getting those death threats and he was going for Hank Aaron and see it's like I felt that the town like you know turned on me yeah and I, I and, felt that way and, yep and and uh you know my wife didn't even want me to go out by myself because I'd always you know somebody'd say a wisecrack or something or whatever the the uh, hate crime division of the FBI came in because I got some white powder that they, they, you know, could have been anthrax at that time. They were sending these letters around with different things, and uh, then, then um, I couldn't figure out why the Tribune uh, company, you know, didn't spend any more money. I had like a Triple A team out there the last year, and I was like, oh, okay. Then I figured it out finally because it was similar to when I got traded from the Braves to the Dodgers, where you cut your assets. And then you sell the team, and then you make uh, uh, up, I'm, I'm sorry, when the when the Braves uh, 
were sold to Ted Turner. Yeah. Uh, and you know, traded us all. And I was, we were all trying to figure out why they traded Ron Reed, Ralph Gar, myself, Earl Williams, uh, Tom House. They, they cleaned house. And it's like, well, why? And then, and then I started thinking back about the Tribune. You know, they didn't put any money back into the club uh, uh, that final year. And then there are guys walking around with the same signs that they were walking around this year for, <laughs> for Tony LaRusso. I know how he felt when they fired Tony or fired Dusty. And, you know, every time I stick my head out of the dugout, I get booed. And it's like, no, I wasn't happy. But, hey, man, uh, I, 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 I really, really wanted to be that first manager to win the the uh, the World Series there, especially to go back to back, because I, I I went in two thousand two, and then then we had a chance to go in two thousand three. Mm-hmm. I mean that had been historic. And I talked to Jim Hendry, uh, you know, sometimes just talked to him a couple years ago, and uh, you know, if we make a, a a play and turn the double play, yep, with bases loaded, the Bartman game. And then, and then people's like, why'd you stick with Pride and Wood so long? Because I didn't have the bullpen that I have now. You know what I mean? And uh, yep. that, you know, that was my, that was my one, not weakness, but that was a area of, of not of strength. And 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 our strength was our starting pitching. You know, Zambrano and and, yep. and and Wood and Pryor and uh, boy, I just, uh, you know, I think back. You know, I could have been Joe Madden. You know, at the same time. So, uh, but it, it was not to be. And 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 I I look back and I said, well, if things had, had had gone my way, I probably wouldn't have managed as long as I've managed. You know that, and I probably wouldn't have have um, uh, hopefully influenced uh, uh, you know young men's and women's lives the way I, that, that I wanted to. And I remember I told my dad, I said, Dad, I I just want to go off and go up in the woods someplace, and then you know, live my life, you know, happily, you know, thereafter. And my dad told me, he said, son, the, the knowledge and wisdom that, that's been given to you and the great players that you've been around and great people that you've been around, that, that the Lord didn't want you to take that knowledge with you and run away with it because it's not yours to possess, that it's yours to share with others. And, uh, you know, when I look back, like I said, I look back on things and uh, it, things worked out the way they're supposed to work out. Why? Why the departure from Cincinnati? Uh, actually, you know, um, I didn't want to depart from Cincinnati. You know, but like sometimes, sometimes I open my mouth, and there's a couple things that I've probably said to Bob Castellini that I shouldn't have said, and uh, you know, I've learned that you know that you don't say certain things to certain people because that you know you think you're safe because of the amount of money that you're making. But, but to a rich guy, the amount of money that you're making is probably peanuts to, to, to him, really. And so, uh, you know, I said some things, you know, about, you know, we need this or we need that. And, and then Chris Spire said some things. Um, and then they wanted me to fire Brooke Jacoby. And I said, no, I'm not going to fire him. And, uh, and they said, hey, man, you know, here's your walking papers. And, uh, you know, I, I thought I was relatively uh, safe. But. You know, that was a blessing in disguise as well because, you know, I got to marry my daughter. You know, every time I got fired, Tom, I got to, uh, like, like one time I got to bury my dad. You know, I was home and, you know, I wouldn't have been home. Uh, one time I got to bury my brother. You know, uh, I wouldn't have been home. And I got to see my son graduate from high school. 
I wouldn't have been home. And then I got to marry my daughter in, in, in my backyard by this big tree that she always wanted to get married by. So, uh, like I said, a lot of these things were probably meant to be. And I tried to try to turn a, a, a negative always and into a possible positive. You go to the Nationals. You win uh, 95 games in 16. You win 97 games in 17. You get let go there. Um, are you I scratching your head? Are you scratching yeah. your head at this point, Dusty, in all seriousness, uh, with, with all mm -hmm. of the incredible success, minus winning the whole thing, and we'll get to that in a minute. But when you look at the, the Giants, the Cubs, the Reds, the Nationals, you take all these franchises to the playoffs, you win 97 games in 17, and you're not back. That's almost impossible to believe. Yeah, well, that was impossible for me to believe. Cause, and, you know, of all the stops, probably besides San Francisco, I really liked Washington the best. You know, the, uh, you know, the mixture of races, of, you know, the cultural uh, um, Things that you know that are there, the educational um, uh, component, you know, the White House. I mean, I, I really liked, you know, the diversity uh, of Washington, and uh, and they liked me. But um, you know, I asked for for a raise. I asked for more money, and because uh, I thought I was doing the job at that time. I had lost like probably forty percent. Uh, you know, of where I was before. And, and, and I believe, always believe that, hey, if I do the job, even as a player, if I do the job, then I should be paid accordingly. And, uh, uh, you know, we never got to the point of, uh, of uh, negotiation or anything. And then they, they, um, I stayed around for a week. You know, I packed, went to the office every day, waited around to, to find out, you know, what was going on. And then, so I finally, I just said, hey, I'm going home. I came home on a Thursday and then Friday morning, once I was home, then I got a call, you know, from Rizzo who, who I could tell, man, you know, he really wanted me back. And I, I liked working with them. And he says, hey, man, they, that old famous, they're going another direction. And you, you really want to ask, well, what direction is that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? right, so, right. Yeah, I hate that. Let's go. <laughs> You know what I mean? So, uh, anyway, um, you know, that was, uh, uh, you know, that was that. I, I I didn't understand it. But, you know, like, I wasn't their first choice in the first place. And, uh, you know, Buddy Black had been their first, first choice. But Buddy had asked for a certain amount of salary, and they refused it. And so, you know, they gave me uh, a little bit more than they gave him. Uh, but, you know, uh, uh when I look back at it, I mean, I, I like to think that it, it was probably a money decision versus a decision on how you do on the field. But sometimes I, I, I would feel during my career that if I didn't win it all, that I was I was deemed, a, you know, like a, a failure. And I was like, there's only going to be one winner. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, I've never, ever uh, let myself, you know, feel like a failure, ever. I mean, I've gotten down, but like my dad used to tell me, it's okay to get down, just don't stay down. And, uh, you know, I've, I've lived that code and, uh, you know, all my life. And so 
I always said if I win one, I'm going to win two. And the reason I want to come back next year is because I want to be a liar. And, and I want to win two like Cito Gaston did back to back. And, uh, oh, you know, I'm full of goals. And uh, plus, you know, you look at it, and I mean, there was there was a two-year period between each time I lost my job times three. You know, that's a lot of victories, and that's a lot of earning power, uh, you know, during that six years in there. But, again, like I said, I, I accomplished some things in, in, in life and family that I wouldn't have been able to do had I been in the game. So, uh, uh, like, sometimes uh, what you want to do and, and, and what God wants you to do are two different things. And so I've just learned, hopefully I've learned this lesson that, um, you know, you better do with, you know, what the man asks you to do upstairs. You finally win the whole thing this year. Uh, I, I thought, and you know, uh, I, I thought the way you brought this team through the whole cheating scandal thing—that uh, in and of itself, I thought was just one of the greatest managerial things, lack of a better word, uh, that I've ever seen. Uh, you, 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 you. you, you you, you blow through the first two rounds of the playoffs. You lose game one of the series. You tie it. You fall behind two to one. You mentioned that, that you knew that, uh, you know, hey, look, we just got to keep going and keep going. When the final out happens, or maybe it's a sequence of that final half inning or the last couple of innings, you've got to pay attention to the game. But, hey, whether it's the Lord working in mysterious ways or your mind drifting into things, was there something that popped into your head during all that you were thinking about that, that, that here we are and this is going to happen finally? Well, you start counting outs, but, you know, you, you, you don't – the game's not won until until final out. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking, thanking the Lord for bringing me to that point, thinking that, uh, you know, I was actually playing this year for my – you know, from my mom who passed January 31st before the season started. So this year didn't start off very, <laughs> very good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I was thinking about my brother who passed three years ago, my dad who passed 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, my dad, when I was a kid, I heard him, you know, he's playing pinochle with his buddies and they used to play like late at night and I'm using the bathroom and I'm listening to him. And, and one guy, I'm the oldest of five. And my brother was actually a better baseball player than me. You know, I was better in football and basketball, but he was a lot better in baseball. And uh, he didn't sign because he wore glasses. They didn't like wearing, you know, signing the kids, you know, uh, you know, the wore glasses out their eyesight, you know, was going to get worse, <clears throat> excuse me, and that, you know, they didn't have contacts back then. And so my dad, uh, this guy was telling my dad, man, Dusty's going to be a good ball player. And my dad says, yeah, but you got to see Rob, man. Rob's going to be the player. <laughs> So I never let him know that I heard this or anything. But uh, also when I lost in in Anaheim, my dad was at the game. And uh, 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 and my dad was down and out and sad. And see, you know, back then, the older generation, a lot of times, they 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 would use negative motivation as, a, as you know, like you can't do this or, or, hey, man, you know, you won't do that. Where nowadays you can't use negative motivation, you know, to the young kids because a lot of them would just sit out on you and quit. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so my dad, uh, never forget, and I've told people this, you know, he told me, he said, son, you know, I don't know if you'll ever win one, uh, a pennant or not, 
you know, we didn't win it that year in San Francisco because, you know, we had them down. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and he says, I don't know if you'll ever win one, uh, you know, after this. And that, that that's the first thing that I thought about was, to say, hey, Dad, you know, you know, you're wrong again. I mean, I swear that's the first thing I thought about. Dad, you're wrong. Everybody wants to say, Dad, you're wrong, right? <laughs> yeah, but you have, there's only a couple of times in your whole life that you're going to be able to say it. You know you're I mean? right about that. <laughs> you, you're, I mean, you shit, my dad's it, never it, been wrong. You know that. <laughs> I hate that, the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is definitely the truth. Um, yeah. You know, the older you get, um, and, and frequently we talk about this word when we talk about uh, presidents, former presidents, um, the word legacy. Mm. Um, look, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody in any sport in my life, any one individual, that had more people rooting for Dusty Baker to win a World Series, more so than anybody else I've ever seen in my life. I mean, everywhere I went around here in Cincinnati and just talking to people, and then talking to people outside of town. And you had to feel this and sense this and heard from so many hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands. But Dusty Baker's legacy, what, what I know about you or think I know about you and a lot that I don't know about you, your legacy to you means what? It can't be all about a, being a World Series champion. That's certainly part of it. Yeah. But when you think mm. about the legacy of, of Dusty Baker, and a lot of people don't like to think this way because you're not dead. But Thank you. What would it be? You're welcome. What would it be? <laughs> what do you want it to be? Mm. Never really thought about it um, now that you mentioned it. Um, you know, if I hadn't won, I think people, a lot of people would have lost hope and, and faith, not in me necessarily, but, but faith in, in um, you know, the right thing happening sometime, you know, for the right person. Because there's a lot of people uh, that feel hopeless in this world. And a lot of people that, that, that I talk to there, you know, you know, they put some of their hope and their strength and their perseverance into you and what you're doing in order to, you know, sort of like a mayor, uh, a mayor that they're looking into to, to let them know that they have some hope, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah. um, it's a bad feeling, you know, to feel hopeless. I think that's the, one of the worst feelings in the world is, is hopelessness and guilt. And, 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 and those, those couple things can just eat you up, which I saw it eat my brother up, um, um, you know, who died of man depressant and, 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 you know, one of the saddest situations I've ever seen. But I, I, I think that what we did, um, it, it, now, like I said, hopelessness, it gets rid of that, uh, perseverance, definitely. And also the fact that possibly forgiveness, because I think that the hardest thing in life, one of the hardest things for me to do is forgive. You know, my auntie used to tell me all the time, nephew, you, you know, you got to forgive and eat you up. You know, I could hold a grudge from now to doomsday, you know what I mean? And then, but it does you no good. And, uh, you know, I think that 
you know, the fact that, you know, we won, you know, gives a lot of people uh, the things that I talked about, uh, you know, in the past. I mean, I, I've talked to many people, grown men, women, little kids, and, and a whole bunch of people told me they were crying. And, and you know, my dad always said, hey, don't be crying, boy. I'll give you something to cry about. You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 and so, uh, you know, the fact that people admitted this to me, um, that they were emotional and crying, that, that shows me that they're not, you know, ashamed or afraid to show, you know, the, you know their emotions. And I'm hoping that what we did, um, you know, gave a, a, you know, tremendous amount of hope and, and, and forgiveness for whatever happened in Houston. And, and hopefully it's over now. You know what I mean? Well, Dusty, I, I you know uh, I've met a lot of amazing people in my life, and I and I think that um, I think there are oftentimes you know you talk about forgiveness. I, I I think that you know sometimes we go through life, and I'm sure you've had this where where maybe you know the forest for the trees. You don't appreciate situations, or you don't appreciate people. Maybe at the time in your life, as you get older and you look back on those things, and 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 you know. You're one of those guys um, that, you know, I, I regret I didn't get to know better because I, I had a chance to be around you uh, the years you were with the Reds. You're an amazing man um, on so many levels, and, and, and levels are so much deeper uh, than being a baseball manager. You're an amazing guy. And, and I know I speak for so many people that are just so excited for you that you're healthy. Uh, you've had to battle through cancer that you, you keep coming back for more, man. You keep coming back yeah. for more. And um, well, it's getting close time to the end, though. You know what I mean? It's like, well, uh, I don't know if it is or not. I mean, you, you know, nah. you just keep coming back. I, I wouldn't say that. That's bad mojo. You know that. Say, you can't say, say that. I was done. I didn't say I was done. I was saying I'm getting close. You know what I mean? <laughs> Every year is one step closer. But, um, yeah, it's been great. I mean, it's been great. Uh, it's been great to be back home. I just got home yesterday. Yeah, and uh, it's 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 a it's a great thing to you know to talk to you. And I was talking to my wife last night about you know like I thought I heard some guy trying to sound like you the other day on the NFL football, and I was like, man, you know we got to get you back on TV because well, I mean because you're certainly one of the best. Well, I appreciate it, Dusty. I can't thank you enough uh, for your time today. You just got back from Houston. It's been an incredibly long journey going back to spring training. Uh, and and congratulations and sincerely from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for taking the time bright and early out in California this morning to join us. Can't thank you enough. All right. All God right. bless you. God hey, bless you, my friend. Good luck to you, my brother. All thank right. you, man. Later. All right. Dusty Baker. Don't get any better now. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.